Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, die Bundesliga-Podcast. Das ist die Transfer-Show. I'm Manu Weff. He's Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. Uh, I'm trying to wonder if this is the last one we're doing of the year, actually, now that I think about it, because you are in sunny Hawaii next week, so we'll have to kind of see how we get on with it, whether your wife will let, let you peel you away from your holiday to <laughs> record another one. <laughs> I think we next week we'll be fine. I think it's maybe the week after that we have to kind of consider what we're going to mm. do for two weeks. Mm. Yeah. Well, like, so next week is probably fine. And then after that, we'll maybe... I think the wife is okay with the podcast. <laughs> yeah, after that, we'll have to think. But I think the wife is okay with the podcast. Maybe not so okay with uh, Transfermarkt work. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah enough. absolutely. Yeah, well, okay, for now, we're, we're, we're still on the air for now. Maybe, maybe after next week, we'll take our Christmas holidays. But we'll keep you guys posted. Yeah. We'll let you guys know what's going on, what the plan is. Um, you'll definitely get the articles um, on the Substack. Um, we'll think of some fun stuff. Mm. We had some fun this week um, in general, I think. So much coming out of the Germany camp, mm. right? Stefan, yeah, you did a piece on on Bierhoff and his, the revolution. And I, I sort of did a reaction piece to Hansi Flick staying. Um, with the DFB and what that actually means in terms of moving the squad forward and the different pieces that are going to be available. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun kind of covering the story. Um, and I guess that story is slowly running its course. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it, been, it, been interesting. it's kind of why we set up the newsletter, isn't it? So we could have a spot on the internet to kind of mm -hmm. deep dive into these stories when they happen because they're not always something that English publications on either side of the Atlantic are especially interested in, especially the more kind of mm -hmm. nuanced stuff of, you know, what's happening at ground level and German youth development, things like that. So yeah. it was nice to kind of shine a light on that and have a place to write about it. And as far as we can tell, subscribers and readers seem to enjoy it too. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, the feedback has been phenomenal. Um, and yeah, so tons of new stuff on there. Um, a new podcast as well. So yeah, dig your teeth into that. Um, we have a lot to discuss on this show, so we just probably jump right into it. Um, three big transfer stories to talk about. So we'll do that right after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back. And BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And it's your continued source for all sports wagering information. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag 
to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. That's it, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, um, as I said, we have three big stories. Which one do you want to start with? Because we have Musiala, Dortmund, and Bellingham. Yeah, let's do Dortmund, Musiala, Dortmund. Break things up a bit. That sounds good. Break it up a little bit. Um, here it first. So, yeah, Musiala. Uh, no, wait, we're doing Dortmund first. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dortmund, of course. Man, you can tell it's early. Still haven't even had my second coffee yet. So, um, yeah, Dortmund. Really interesting news. Uh, this was the news dump by Sportbild that you get once a week. Um, the reports is that they are after Mohamed Kudus from Ajax Amsterdam. And they also want to sign uh, two more defenders. Um, I think this is basically wingbacks that they're after here, right? Because of the whole Schultz, situ Schultz situation and uh, Thomas Meunier, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, I think Rafael Guerrero answered a lot of his critiques once again at the World Cup. Mm. Um, we talked about him actually midweek in our, our special podcast. So there's a nice segment on him and how well he's actually been playing. Um, but let's let's start with, with the Kudus story. Um, he's, a, he's a national team player for Ghana. He's a, he was at the World Cup. Ghana's, of course, been eliminated. Um, he looks like a really interesting prospect. Um, Ajax signed him from Midtjylland, um, where... Where he struggled at first a little bit, but he has since like, this season has been pretty good. He has been playing a really good World Cup as well. The The thing is, and I mean, when I look at his uh, Transfermarkt profile right here, he's a left-footed. Good. That's good news. Um, the negatives here, I think, is attacking midfield, center of the park. Can also play as a center forward, mm. but um, I... Is this really the profile that we were looking at? Because we, we talked last week about uh, Dortmund and the tentative link to Jaden Sancho um, and you making this point that they're actually in dire need of a wide player. This isn't necessarily it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. You obviously have to take it face value as a, as a sport build story. Mm -hmm. Assume they've heard from someone that the club are interested in them. And I, I, I wonder... If this is just another example of, you know, Dort the players at Dortmund sign tick a lot of boxes, but they don't actually often translate very well to what the club or what the squad specifically mm. really needs. Um, you know, I think they actually have quite a lot of players in that kind of, well, certainly in that forward position as we look at right now. I mean, I know if you have to go back three months ago, you could have argued that, you know, Kudus would have been a great signing because... Obviously, what happened to Sebastian Haller, unfortunately, has had to take time out from the game. Uh, you know, um, Mus not Musiala, sorry. Um, I've already, I can't believe I've forgotten his name, actually. Uh, the young striker. Why have I forgotten his name now? The young Dortmund striker. Callum yeah. Adeyemi? No, no, sorry, not even Adeyemi, sorry. Oh, my goodness. Shows. See, you're talking about, the funny thing is, you're obviously talking about um, start. Makuku, that's it. Funny thing is, when we do this, it's the start of the day for you, but it's actually the end of the day for me. So, 
Yeah. I, I put my head down and brazilian uh attacking midfielders all afternoon actually anyway uh, yes sorry apologies yeah so obviously you know three months ago um you would have had a situation where they had haller who had to take time out from the game Mukuku who hadn't really picked up much game time and eventually they kind of make this rash decision to pick up anthony modest and it didn't really seem like that kind of patchwork of was going to work out but They've kind of found something of an equilibrium um, in the sense that Makuku's obviously been pay- getting good game time. He's been playing very well. That seems to me like a quite a smart way to just kind of move forward with things. And if Sebastian Haller can or Welly, when he does come back, then the two of them can obviously play off each other very well. But adding a fourth player in Kudus to this would be quite interesting and it could potentially be a, be a bit of a problem. But it'd be really the thing about this makes me wonder whether... Modesta, or Modest rather, uh, is mm. due to be kind of moved on in January, if possible. Um, although I'm not, I'm wondering, can he, he can he can sign for a third club, I think, in a single season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or at the very least, maybe you could also go back to Crown. Yeah, at the very least, yeah. Um, and you recently spoke to them actually, and they didn't seem very happy about the move. They still aren't very happy about the move, but yeah, he hasn't worked mm-hmm. out at Dortmund. Moving him on in January probably does make sense, uh, but. You know, we're obviously talking about a player who who can also play in a number ten position potentially, which is maybe quite a smart move in the sense that Marco Royce obviously mm. gets his injury problems from time to time, and when he's out of the team, uh, I actually think Dortmund really struggled to have that kind of playmaker. Uh, you know, and obviously from what we mm. can see from Kudos's record at Ajax, uh, he's a very attack-minded player. He's a very you know goal-driven player as well, uh, so. Maybe he could be kind of developed into quite a smart number ten at Dortmund, which is maybe something that they actually need quite they need, you know, now to an extent, or at least a player to kind of challenge Marco Royce in that regard. But that really depends on whether Gio Reyna and Jude Bellingham are happy playing other positions in that team, because obviously Gio Reyna consider Jude a wide player, but actually when he's when he has played this season, he's kind of tried to seems to have kind of naturally started playing through the middle of the pitch. And I have kind of suggested a few times that he might be a good mm. kind of natural heir to Marco Royce's role. Uh, but you also have Jude Bellingham, who yeah. technically a central defender, sorry, a central midfielder, but the way he plays tends to see him kind of drift around that final third, quite like a number 10, actually. And whether he, you know, as I wrote, actually, I remember writing at the start of the pod, at the start of the season, how... Um, he needed to kind of actually kind of develop into number 10 if Dortmund were going to get the most out of him. So, yeah, it's it, I think kind of long story short, signing someone like Kudos in the summer or even in January, in January, although I think it's a summer signing they're talking about, it would kind of mean that Dortmund have to kind of shift a few players about, which is no bad thing, I suppose, but it certainly would be quite interesting. Hmm. I think the interesting part about Mohamed Kudos as well is that... Um, the Ghana head coach for the tournament was Otto Ado, right? And Otto Ado is, is also the talents manager at Borussia Dortmund, obviously, former Borussia Dortmund midfielder, right? Um, so it's interesting in that regard that um, although Dortmund probably did not use necessarily this tournament to score, scout Otto Ado, it's much easier for them to just head across the border to Amsterdam and do it there, like a proper club should. But it probably doesn't hurt that one of Leo employees is also in charge of Ghana and has, you know, maybe whispers into Mohammed's ear every once in a while. 
look, Borussia Dortmund could be a really good club for you. <laughs> you know, we, we see this, like Bayern Munich are the kings of that, right? Where the national team just, the national, they basically charge the national team guys to whisper into all the players' ears that come to Bayern, uh, whether it's at France uh, or the German national team where Bayern Munich have strong footholds. So I wouldn't be too, too surprised if Otto Ado had a word or two at the tournament with uh, Mohamed Kudus, uh, talking to him about maybe potentially moving to Borussia Dortmund. Um, yeah, I think this would be such a typical Dortmund move. I, I know that they were linked when um, he left North Zealand um, originally and um, for various reasons, they didn't go for him then. Um, you know, Ajax, Ajax won that race, signing him for 9.5 million euros. Um, but, you know, sometimes that in-between step is necessary. And Ajax are very good at developing players and giving them a tactical profile. Mm. Uh, and Dortmund have a relationship in, in that regard, right, with the Sebastian Haller transfer. Um, so... Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. I also thought the the, the, the bits about them wanting to sign um, more wingbacks. Um, first of all, they, they're trying to renew Mats Hummels, right? Um, but sooner or later, you probably need another centre-back. But the wingback story is, is a big one. Um, you know, they are eternally linked to Benzabaini. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure that is the right signing for them. You know who I think that they really need? Um, the sort of profile of player that they really need, and they had that kind of player, right? Um, is someone like Acha Hakimi um, or Alfonso Davies? You know, a really fast uh, left just a, back, just a couple of world right class fullbacks. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> sure, that would help. <laughs> uh, you're saying that's that's necessarily what? Yeah, it's just a profile. But what I was going to get at is like actually at, at players who can not only play defensively, but also attack and uh, contribute to the attack. And both Davies and Hakimi are very good at this, mm. right? But yes, essentially a couple of world-class fullbacks. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing I found about that report was that apparently the Dortmund still have no interest in kind of renewing uh, Raf- Ralph Gallero's contract, which is obviously a stance that's been taken throughout much of the last kind of 12 months because he hasn't been in form, but... I'd be really surprised if he was to come mm. back from that World Cup um, as a real leading figure in a Portugal side who probably have every intention of challenging to win the World Cup. Uh, if he was to come back a World Cup yeah. winner, perhaps, and Dortmund are still kind of rolling their eyes and kind of dragging their heels with a contract nego- negotiation, I feel like that'd be a huge mishap because he has shown at this World Cup that he's capable of playing very well in a good enough side. It's just the fact that Dortmund can't get enough out of him. So... But they should at least, the very least, try and time down to new contract, then figure out how to get that kind of Portugal form out of them. So that that was a weird one to me. But yeah, the the right back position is a really interesting one. It's a it's a it's a constant hassle, um, and it's, I think it's also a position that Dortmund have kind of overlooked for a number of seasons now by simply trying to just you know buy kind of cheap off the shelf defenders from another Bundesliga side. You know, the Gladbach player you mentioned earlier is a mm. perfect example of that, who arguably hasn't even been outstanding for Gladbach. So I've really got no idea why they think he would be outstanding for Dortmund. So, uh, But I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens there. But it's they absolutely do need to sign at least two fullbacks, I would say. Um, and, you know, I think the report was mm. quite interesting saying that they may even sign another central defender if Matt Hummels doesn't find a new, sign a new contract, which... 
will be quite interesting to see what happens there because you you would assume Nico Schlotterbeck and Niklas Sula are there for the long term. But again, having watched them in his World Cup, maybe mm. maybe some inside Dortmund are trying to kind of uh, reassess that. We'll just kind of have to wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, so Dortmund are shopping for an attacking player um, and some defenders, which... Um, I'm curious to see if they're going to do it even this winter. And I think they might because the side definitely needs some improvement. Um, let's do Musiala because I think this is actually, this is not necessarily a transfer story, but it's it's, it's very interesting nonetheless. Um, Bayern Munich are looking to extend his contract long term. He's cu- currently on a rolling contract and this rolling contract, the way it works um it's based on performance-based metrics, right? Until 2026. Mm. Uh, and it can rise. And it's currently around 5 million, but it can go all the way up to... No, he currently earns about 8 million. It can go all the way up to 11 million based on performance metrics, which I'm pretty sure he's hitting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's hitting those performance metrics at the moment. <laughs> I had someone suggest in my mentions that... Um, he wasn't scoring a lot of goals. I think maybe you need to watch more Bayern games um, because he's very good at scoring goals. He just didn't hit the target at the World Cup, um, which happens, small sample size and all that. But he's he's definitely hitting his performance metrics at Bayern Munich. And you would think that he's going to hit that 11 million target very easily. He's probably actually exceeding it, which just gets me to my next point is that Jama Musiala has the, and I think we we posted this on Transfermarkt Twitter, right? That his numbers at his current age are already bigger than Lionel Messi's numbers were at the same age. Um, and this is the, we're talking about that sort of ceiling mm. for him. Um, he has, and as the, the sky is the limit. You know, he can, he can be... Germany never had a Lionel Messi type player, like never existed in history. He could be mm. the first. And um, that also means that for Bayern Munich, I think this is going to be it's could be more tricky than they perhaps mm. think, because like 2026 is the next World Cup. Um, that will be his World Cup. He will be 23 by then, right? Which is when he's probably going to hit his prime. Um, we went through the salary list um, at Bayern Munich, and someone like Thomas Müller, for example, earns 20 million. Um, I have it somewhere actually, right? Um, you look at Zadi Mane was at 22, Manuel Neuer is at 21, Thomas Müller is at 20 million, Leroy Sané is at 20 million. You would think that Musiala will be on the top of that list very soon. Like when you compare him to Mane, what Mane earns now and what Musiala is earning right now, you would think that Bayern wants to see if Bayern Munich want to secure him to a long term deal beyond 2026. We're talking about a salary that's probably making him the best paid player on this team. Yeah. It was a really interesting story to come out because, you know, there's lots of talks about him signing a new contract extension. And we were talking about it before mm. the show and I was kind of pushing back a little. I was like, well, is it really that interesting? He's already got a contract till 2026. He signed a new one last year. Why is that such a big deal? And we actually kind of started looking into it and it was actually the great guys at Bavarian Football Works who, you know, great website for any Bayern Munich or just any general Bundesliga fan actually. They always do some great work. Yeah. Uh, great Twitter account as well. Um, they kind of outlined, you know, the, the details of his contract and 
I was quite surprised to see that according to the kind of official, well, not the official, I guess, the reported data from the German media, uh, he's only meant to be getting up to that 11 million euro bracket in the 25-26 season. Now, as you said, it's a lot of his performance-based stuff mm-hmm. and he may already have hit that, so maybe they've kind of fast-forwarded that, but for Musiala to only be making that amount of money in 2025 is quite troubling if you think about it because that means in, what, two or three seasons' time, you'll only be making half what the best-paid players at Bayern Munich are on. And that's a sure sign way of getting of kind of forcing him out the door. You know, um, no one would really kind of question his loyalty to Bayern Munich and his, you know, his determination to do very well there, mm-hmm. win titles, blah, blah, blah. But... If Bayern are kind of dragging their heels here over how much they want to pay him, then he's got every right to kind of turn around and say, well, you know, there's teams in, in, in England and Real Madrid and Barcelona and whoever else, PSG, who will happily pay me what you guys already pay Leroy Sani and Thomas Muller. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. thanks, but no thanks, but I'm off. So I think that's probably what's driving this new talk of a new contract because I imagine Sai Hamovic is probably watching that World Cup and he has kind of spoke, I think, as well during the World Cup about, you know, they'll sit down and maybe hammer out a new deal for him and you can understand why because it's not just so much how good Musial is, it's the acceleration by which he's making himself vital to both Germany and Bayern Munich and it doesn't really matter how young he is, as we saw with Messi... Uh, it really just comes down to how important he plays, how 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 vital he is to them scoring and creating goals. So, and if he's already up there as one of their most important players, and I think you can certainly say that, then they certainly have to fast track, you know, those con- those contract negotiations so that he ends up, you know, if if he ends up next season being one of the highest paid players of the club, then I don't really think you'll find many Bayern Munich fans that have a problem with that. No, and I mean, it's interesting too. I'm, I just looked up his agency, 11 wins. Um, it's a German-based agency with a lot of ties to the Premier League. Um, but he is the gold mm. goose. Um, you know, you look at his market value is 100 million. The next most expensive player, um, or mar- the most sec- next most valuable player, according to Transfermarkt, is Dominic Calvert-Levin uh, from Everton, mm. right? At 30 million. We have Musiala at 100 million. Um, he is their golden goose. And if I am Musiala's agent and I see, well, see those reports, pretty sure the agents are aware of those reports, if you know what I mean. But um, then, you know, those reports leak for a certain reason. And, um, you know, whenever certain fees also get leaked, that's also for a reason. And I, I'm pretty sure that at this stage, they are saying and they're looking at Musiala's performances this season and they're looking at his ceiling and where he's at in his development and, um, you know, the underlying numbers, which make this player even more impressive. Mm. Um, it's not his just his XG. It's a ton of things. You, you go into the WeScout, the platform that both of us use, right? And you look at the numbers and the, where, where he leads in the Bundesliga and he leads in almost every category. The same is the it's the case in the Champions League, right? Which is probably a better benchmark than let's say the World Cup. And yeah, absolutely. You look at those numbers and you're looking at an asset that is only gonna get more expensive, not mm. cheaper. And if I am his agent, I'd be knocking at Oliver Kahn and Hassan Zaliamic's door and say, It's time that we talk about yeah. this. I think another thing that's also worth bearing in mind is that you look at the clubs who'd be happy to sign him and the one that comes to mind for me immediately is Chelsea. Chelsea would absolutely adore to re- 
Oh, to please re- not. <laughs> I know. I know that's where German players tend to go to kind of, you know, uh, hit a wall, shall we say. But um, no, they'd be absolutely delighted to kind of bring him back to Chelsea. You know, they even though Chelsea have a kind of reputation for kind of overlooking young players, they have mm. absolutely no qualms about bringing them back to the club. You know, Romelu Lukaku is a good example of that, who really quite unceremoniously got kicked out of the club, but he wasn't deemed good enough. But as soon as he was a, 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 a potential transfer target, they rolled out the red carpet, they made incredible YouTube videos and Instagram videos and whatever else to kind of announce his return. Chelsea would absolutely love to do that with Jamal Musiala. And it's also worth bearing in mind that even though agencies are there to you know, facilitate the players and make sure they get the right deal. I've got mm. no doubt that people are sitting there, that agency thinking, well, it's all well and good if Jamal Musiala spends the next 10 or 15 years at Bayern Munich, but that means we don't ever get a big, nice slice of any potential transfer fee between him and the Premier League club. Yeah. Now, that might sound a little pessimistic. Maybe I, I, I'm not suggesting that they're kind of whispering in his ear to move him away from Bayern Munich, but it's it's up to Bayern Munich to continue to convince Musiala that they're the best club for him, not just in terms of how much money he makes, but also from a sporting project. If there's any indication that they can't challenge for Champions Leagues, or if there's any indication that the Bundesliga itself isn't a good enough league for him to showcase himself and to be up for Ballon d'Ors and whatever else, then, uh, you know, that's when the doubt starts to creep in. And that's why these kind of stories about Neutran, it's bizarre as it sounds that he might sign a contract extension, even though he's got another four years left on when he signed last year. That's kind of the tiny margins that Bayern have to work by when they've got a player like this. Yeah, just knowing from talking to another player's agent at the at Bayern Munich, um, without saying who it is, one way for for clubs to convince um, a player to stay at a club like Bayern Munich is salary increases because agents also do make money off those, right? They get uh, they get a part of the percentage every time there is a new contract signed and a signing mm. on fee, so that is a way to then convince the agency to say, okay, um, we can we can we can stay at this club because like we do we don't need to rely on a transfer fee here because we know that you know the salary is going to come up. We're going to make a certain percentage of that. We see that the player is in good hands here, and you know essentially it's easy money mm. to make. Um, it's far easier than actually a transfer, even though the, the return on that can mm. be bigger, right? But this is like essentially just a check arriving every month in the mail, um, quote unquote, right? So um, I think this is this is one way we can where the club can go to the agency and say, look, we we are very interested in a long term committal. Um, we want this player to stay long term. He's a young prospect. He we want to make him into our Lionel Messi. Um, because I think that's that is the that is the sort of pathway that they have to show the Musiala camp. Because like you mentioned Chelsea, that the one team that I actually think Bayern Munich need to be careful about here is Real mm. Madrid, right? Because they just signed this young Brazilian kid who is long term probably going to replace Karim Benzema, Endrik, um, and they will need someone to to feed this kid with lots and lots of perfect placed balls. And you can just see, you can just see. Real Madrid say like, okay, this guy could be our Lionel Messi, mm. right? Um, and that's, I think, who the Bayern need to be careful of because like Bayern, Real Madrid is the only team, um, you know, alongside Bayern Munich to actually have made money over the last three years. So they would, it would not be beyond them to actually say to the Musiala camp, we'll give you 30, 40 million a mm. year. 
Yeah. Right. And and and, and so, you know. That's really yeah, and I think the Real Madrid thing is really quite pertinent actually because a lot of what they do is, I mean, they're a very smart sporting project, which evident through the Champions Leagues that they've won recently, mm. but. They do, as you've said about you know signing Endrick from Brazil and before that Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo, the two French uh, midfielders yeah. who have signed, you know Chupameni and uh, Camavinga. Um, they 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 do go in hard on these younger players because they know right well we'll spend a fortune on them now but they're going to be here for the next ten years or something. And the thing about Musiala is quite interesting is that. There's still that hole in that team for the kind of Kylian Mbappe player or the Kylian Mbappe poster child. Now, you can maybe argue that Vinicius Jr. has kind of filled that role to a large extent just because he's kind of pulled his socks up and just started playing really well for Real Madrid. But mm. if if Real Madrid are still looking yeah. for that kind of poster boy signing and they know they're not going to get Kylian Mbappe, you know, they know Erling Haaland's already left for Manchester City, then... Maybe someone like Musiala, they're obviously not going to get someone like Pedri because he's a Barcelona. Maybe that means Musiala then falls into that spot and that's when they start poking around there. And, yeah. you know, as history has shown, Real Madrid are one of the few clubs in the world that can kind of entice players away from Bayern Munich on a purely kind of prestigious mm. level, not just in terms of pure money. In terms of prestige and in terms of winning Champions Leagues, they're one of the few clubs that can entice players away from Bayern Munich. So I'm not. I, yeah, I, I think that's a very good point. I think uh, I think Bayern should be looking over their shoulder to Real Madrid mm. uh, if they can't get this deal wrapped up for Messi Allison. Yeah, I think this is going to probably move faster than we think <laughs> because I think they know the danger lurking as well. <laughs> um, the danger is also lurking for Borussia Dortmund. See what I did here in terms of Jude Bellingham. Uh, what a wonderful tournament he's been playing. And um, Liverpool look like they're going to go in hard, really hard. Um, you know, they're one of many clubs that are trying to go in hard for this player. Um, PSG, um, remind me of the name of the Qatari land or landlord that they have sitting in their, on their board in Paris, El Khalifa, I think, right? Um, he issued some statements about them, you know, being obviously interested in Bellingham as well. And that in the end of the day, it's up to the Borussia Dortmund to decide who they're going to sell him to. <laughs> I thought that was actually quite interesting, mm-hmm. um, which makes me think that PSG is going to probably try to outbid whatever, whatever anyone else is going mm-hmm. to offer simply because they mm-hmm. can. The question then, of course, is what does Jude Bellingham want, right? And what have we even asked what Borussia Dortmund want? Do they even want to sell Mm. the player next summer, right? Um, Or do they even have control over the situation anymore? Are they going to just go and sell Jude Bellingham for 130 to 150 million euros and, you know, notch that as another success on the transfer market? Um, Borussia Dortmund, of course, like to win the transfer market. They don't want to win titles. Their titles are to sell the players for the highest price, it almost seems. It just seems like when I talk to people on location in Dortmund, they were not actually willing to sell Jude Bellingham next summer. But then there's all these reports, and these reports always come from somewhere, right? These are not stories that are made up. We both work in this industry. We both understand how this works. And we both understand why these stories get leaked. And judging by that, it really does seem like Jude Bellingham is ready for another step because this is this is essentially <clears throat> where this is coming from. So I just, 
here's the question that I have for you because you probably know this a little bit better and we both have lots of friends and people who work in the in and around Liverpool can you actually see Liverpool spend 130 to 150 million euros on Jude Bellingham because I still struggle with that notion I mean Liverpool don't even have a sporting director at the moment <laughs> Yeah, it's a really tricky one, actually. That, and that's the kind of issue that... That's what I keep coming back to, to be perfectly honest with you. The the Liverpool links make a lot of sense because, you know, on paper, they're very... You know, they're a great club. Don't get me wrong. You know, any player would love to play there. Uh, they're a very ambitious club. They've got a German head coach who has links to Borussia Dortmund. They like to sign young players. They give them game time. It's a great sporting mm. project. So you can understand why Jamal Musmiel might be interested in moving there. But... The big issue here, as you just said there, is that Liverpool just can't afford to sign players with the same degree as their rivals. Uh, not just in terms of a transfer fee, which I agree with you at the moment. Um, seems to me like it's a little out of their, out their ballpark. Although having said that, they do have a habit of kind of, you know, saving their pennies and then going all in on big players to a large extent. You know, they did that with Van Dijk, central defender. They kind of broke records with him. They've done that mm. with Nunes as well. And when push comes to shove, they can go out and just drop a lot of money on players, which you know they obviously did for the Porto winger uh, in January, whose name now completely uh, I've lost as well. Actually, I can't remember mm. his name. <laughs> there we yes. go. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, the idea. Sorry. So the, I, they have shown that when they want to be, they can be quite ruthless in the transfer window. But for the most part, a lot of these players were uh, players that had some interest in from other clubs, but they weren't like the kind of top tier um hot project kind of players who five or six super clubs want to sign you know and i think kind of a real pertinent example here is erling haaland you know mm. liverpool were constantly linked with erling haaland but even jürgen klopp was quite happy to admit yeah. this on record saying look we're not even at the table when it comes to signing this guy because manchester city can offer him the kind of transfer fees that liverpool can only dream of really to a large extent now Haaland's situation was a little different because his transfer fee was extremely lowered because of the minimum fee release clause that he had. So basically, it was a bidding war to see who could offer him the most wages. Uh, I don't think Bellium's going to be the the same to that extent, but it'll even out in the same way because his transfer fee will keep going up and up and up. And he's obviously going to demand wages that yeah. you know every club will, will, will uh, compete over. So I think... And then, of course, even... Even if even if uh, Liverpool can match what the likes of Real Madrid or PSG or you know Manchester City can offer, um, as you kind of alluded to, there off the field they're a little all over the place at the minute. Um, it's easy to forget that you know mm. that first half of the season was pretty disastrous for them on the pitch. Uh, you know, there's lots of talk about whether Jurgen Klopp will be sticking around. I'm not really expecting him to leave by any means, but speaking to quite a lot of people behind the scenes and. From what I can tell, uh, you know, we, we talked about this last week when we were talking about Sven Mislintat possibly moving there. Um, it seems to me as though their entire kind of, uh, not the yeah. entire um, department in terms of recruitment's moving on, but a lot of the kind of big names are moving on, possibly to other Premier League sides. Uh, and of course, there's the fact that they might not even have the same owners next season. So, kind of get the impression that Liverpool kind of have to get their ducks in a row before they can start talking about moving to um, moving for a player like Jude Bellingham and for the most part I still kind of believe that he as a player hasn't really made any big in, big mo suggestions that he wants to leave you know I was actually speaking to a sporting director in uh, German mm. football today 
about Bellingham and they were saying to me that they're still convinced that he'll probably stick around next season because he's a smart guy. Uh, he knows he's getting really good game time at Dortmund and if he was to move to one of these big Premier League clubs, despite how well he's doing this season, there still be there still will be questions about whether he has to uh, kind of share game time with other players. And, you know, we were here once before about Jaden Sancho. He was considered as impressive a talent. He was yeah. considered as much needed by the big clubs in England uh, and I guess are in Europe. And the slightest wobble and he's on the bench and that's all she wrote about him. So the only th- And so the only other thing I would really add to that is that I think the market in, in the summer will also be affected by the fact that it looks as though Declan Rice will be moving on from West Ham. Uh, you know, West Ham have been holding out for last two or three seasons. Don't want to sell him, but it seems as though they've kind of accepted that he's going to have to move on. They've accepted they're going to have to put, accept a certain fee for him, and there's probably going to be a bidding war for his services as well. And although he's a slightly different player from Bellingham, he also kind of fills a lot of the same positions and roles as Bellingham. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of the big clubs that were linked with him, potentially Chelsea more than anyone else, um, may end up going for Declan Rice instead, which might kind of dampen the interest in Bellingham till maybe push it back a year. So I'm, I am I get there's a lot of attention. There's always a lot of buzz um, because he's doing so well at the World Cup, but I'm still kind of convinced that come next season, he'll probably mm. still be a Dortmund player. Yeah, I mean, this is... I'm just trying to figure out where this is coming from, right? Um, if this is a story leaked to by Bellingham's uh, agency to to the press, then that gives me an indication that they would probably like a move. Um, but you know, like the the wording that has also come out is that, and you have to always read between the lines, right? Um, we both work in this industry again. We understand how and why things are worded a certain way. Is that um, there's always that little every time anyone reports on it there's always that little piece in it that says uh, 130 to 150 million euros is difficult to do for Liverpool right so this could be an indication to me that this might actually come from mm-hmm. Liverpool saying we really want to sign this guy we have gotten feedback that Bellingham would be interested but we've also gotten feedback from Dortmund about a figure that we can't mm. afford. This is what I'm reading with these news reports. Yeah. Right. Do, um, do you know the really interesting thing about that as well is that if it is if it is coming from Liverpool's side and they're trying to dampen the interest or dampen the kind of market value for Bellingham, we've seen in the past that from a Dortmund point of view, it doesn't really work unless they are on unless they kind of are you yeah. know unless they're really struggling in, in terms of a, from a kind of tr- uh, negotiating point of view, as they did with Haaland, because obviously, you know, he had a release clause and there's no changing that. But I've seen with players in the past that Dortmund will set a price, they'll draw a line in the sand and they'll sit there and wait until, you know, someone comes along and, and buys the player at that price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they wait a year and even take less, right? Like they did with mm-hmm. Sancho. They could have gotten more the first year. That price wasn't met. And then they said, okay, well, then they said to Sancho, next year you're allowed to leave for this price. And then they did it. You know, they they went from, we want 100 million plus for Sancho uh, if he wants to move this year. And it has to be done by a certain date. Man United didn't meet that date. And 
tried to negotiate until the very end. Dortmund said, well, you missed the date. Mm. It's done. You know, like, bye. Um, they even had, like, a reporter camped out from Sky at Dortmund and everyone was kind of laughing at him, right? This could very well happen here where Dortmund say next year, you have until August 1st to do it at this price. And if you don't meet that price to this date, we're happy to we're going to sit on it and we're, we're happy to take next a little less next year but we're going to keep mm. the player I, I i think that is exactly what they're going yeah. to do um so if anyone is trying to lower the market value on the player next summer good luck <laughs> I mean, absolutely good luck don't wonder a lot of things but they're not bad at negotiating no negotiating yeah that's one thing and you're not they really yeah, know and, what to get from And, the and even that example, there's actually quite some notable differences between Jaden Sancho and Jude Bellingham. The first one is the fact that I think the most pertinent thing is that when it came to Sancho, there was only really one buyer interested in buying him. Not to say that other clubs wouldn't have liked to have him at the club, but it was clear from the get-go that Manchester United wanted to sign him and you know, the likes of PSG, Real Madrid, yeah. Chelsea, whoever else, they already had their wide star players, so they didn't really need to spend a fortune on Sancho. So it was basically one club wants them and then one club was negotiating over when to sell them. And the key thing that happened there was that when Dortmund decided to hold off and not sell at a certain price, Manchester United just came back the next year with a lower price because there wasn't a bidding war there. The other thing as well is that Sancho was quite vocal. You know, well, maybe not officially, but even if unofficially, he mm -hmm. wanted to move on. He'd done what he wanted to do at Dortmund. He was ready to get back to the Premier League and... You could tell even from watching him, even though he had a great record at Dortmund, don't get me wrong, he was a great player there. There was long periods in which either through injury or lack of fitness or even just the fact that his head was in the clouds or somewhere else, you could tell that it was affecting him. He wasn't very good at kind of hiding his disaffection at times about maybe not moving on. Jude Bellingham strikes me as a very, very different player. He's far more mature, far more rounded individual. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell that he actually seems to really appreciate playing at Dortmund a little more than... not. Actually, I don't want to go so far as say that Sancho didn't appreciate playing at Dortmund. Of course he did. Uh, but it just strikes me as though Bellingham is just not really knocking down the door, pushing for that move quite like Sancho did. So, And, you know, if Dortmund held off this year mm. and said we're not selling him uh, until a certain point... I've no doubt that those same three or four clubs will still be interested because he plays a position where there's always need for another midfielder. Yeah, and I think I wouldn't actually be surprised to maybe add on to this a little bit that Dortmund go out and sign his brother Joe Bellingham. We just did a profile on him on Transfermarkt, right? It's part of the talents calendar that we do every year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund go and sign Joe Bellingham and say to Jude, give us another year so you can work on your brother. You guys can work, play together at the same club and then we'll open the door for you and we have a ready-made replacement in literally year. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> already yeah, at the club, is, right? Yeah, uh, Jude Bellingham's dad used to be a player in England as well. Maybe they could buy him as well and <laughs> sign him and see if they can keep him for another year after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. We've seen that kind of stuff before. Um, I mean, on a different level because Joe Bellingham actually looks like a yeah. really good talent, right? But Bayern Munich, um, when they tried to fight off Real Madrid for Frank Ribéry, they signed Ribéry's brother to play for the yeah, second team, yeah. right? And that actually kept them quite happy. So this is this is actually a strategy that's been employed by clubs before. Yeah, without a doubt. So we'll just kind of have to wait and yeah. see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think this Bellingham rumor, I mean... 
obviously the uh, it is something that uh, moves the masses um, on Twitter and elsewhere. So I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get daily updates um, all the way leading up to September 1st, I guess. <laughs> so buckle in, people. We'll have another 10 months of this. Um, but Stefan, we don't have another 10 months on this podcast. The show is wrapped up. As always, it's brought to you by Bet Online, And I, I think any final things that you want to add before we... We call it uh, no, not really. Just uh, always thank you to our subscribers and our readers in the Substack who keep this going. Uh, and of course, people who just listen to the podcast, that does a lot of support us as well. We know yeah. a lot of people have been leaving reviews on Spotify and things, so we really appreciate it. And we actually recently got our Spotify mm. wrap, which kind of, you know, like it sums up how many people have been listening to the show. And it, the numbers are fantastic. So it just goes to show how many more people yeah. started listening to the show this year so we really appreciate it um but yeah i'll maybe save the end of year speech till yeah. uh, next week or the week after <laughs> the end, to the actual yeah. end of the year. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah the, the feedback has been overwhelming um we're getting you know everyone who listens a big thank you and uh yeah leave your review it really helps us as well so that's great well that's it from this week we'll be back at least a couple more times uh, before the end of the year. So until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.